0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Green and Mulner show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Another week, another podcast, and another former Newcastle United player, Sam Mulner, is the former Republic of Ireland fullback Stephen Carr, who was signed by the late Sir Boye Robson, one of his last signings, as you mentioned in the podcast.
1: Spoiler alert! Yeah, really good fun. This was um, Stephen Carr living the high life as he is now, and um, fair play to him. Good crack,
0: wasn't he? He was very good cracker. I really, thoroughly enjoyed uh, this interview. Very funny. Um, Typical Irishman, really, isn't he? And he was one of Robson's last ever signings before he was sat um, in September 2004. Just the one goal for Newcastle, over 100 appearances in the black and white of Newcastle. But... um, you say that like back. it's disappointing, but
1: he's you know, he's not a striker, he was a right back. And, and like I thought you I thought you'd be,
0: thought you'd be like, disappointed about the hundred and seven appearances. No, no, no. <laughs> um
1: like um you were saying before I rudely interrupted, what a goal it was. It was an absolute screamer. Um he had that in his locker, but as again, as we say in the pod that maybe we didn't see enough of that, but he was still just well, I said to a few mates of mine that we got Stephen Carr coming on the show, and it's like, oh, solid, steady, consistent, just all-round defender, real, real decent player.
0: So well, that's that's what he that's what he was, I think. Yeah, fantastic career. And obviously, twelve years at Tottenham, came to Newcastle for four seasons, and then was semi semi-retired for half a year, nearly a year, and then moved to Birmingham City, and obviously won the League Cup in two thousand eleven with Oberfemi Martin scoring the winner at Wembley. He gets a mention later on in the uh, podcast. But um, it's, a, it's a really interesting one because it's an era that we haven't really gone into too much, Sam, because obviously we've had a few of the entertainers on. I've had one or two people from the Saboy Robson era, 102 one 2 2 3 that sort of era. But this is an era that a lot of Newcastle fans don't look back with great fondness, but if they, if they delved a little bit deeper into this, we actually went a million miles away from cup finals and, you know, potential trophies.
1: We weren't far off at all. Um, yeah, really close. I mean, I suppose the closest we've come from this era is kind of Solano when he obviously re-signed. Um, but yeah, it, it's still, it's it's good to, to cover these eras as well that aren't as popular with the media. Um and it, um, like you, like you said, there were still plenty of highlights in there. There were still some classic games in there, some real classic games. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good. Um, as, as you did, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Um, and, yeah, he's got a clothing line as well, which which uh, is is when you first hear it, you think that's just mental. Um, but it, it, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's it's good. It's not horrendous. Um, <laughs> it it's it's good. So the link's in the description if you want to take a look at one of one. um So yeah, it's it's it's, it's good. Fair play to him.
0: Yeah, it's like he says it's not Jack Grealish type of clothes, but it's probably for a type a different type of market. You know, just like casual uh, casual uh, clothing ranges, and again like gym wear as well, and. I think a lot of everyone's a lot more comfortable when they when they wear clothes like that. Like I'm, I'm I live off like when I'm not at work, I live on like tracksuits and hoodies, and like it's comfortable. So, and yeah, that's what I'm
1: like now. I'm like married with kids. My life's essentially over. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comfy clothes is is what it's all
0: about now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this is a podcast that will get a lot of discussion going in the, uh, in the comments. And if you can leave us some reviews as well and tell us what you thought of it, that'd be fantastic. Five-star reviews would be even better, um, <laughs> as Sam likes to mention every now and then. Yeah. But, you know, we do greatly appreciate all the feed that, feedback that we do get, Sam, don't we?
1: Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It, uh, it makes the... Not, not pressure, because pressure is a privilege, but... To keep churning out and be consistent and and doing these podcasts once a week for
0: over a year now, it it, it does make it um, worthwhile. It does make it worthwhile, and I think we should get this podcast up and running. So this is the Greenwood and Molnar show with the former Newcastle United fullback Stephen Carr. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Newcastle Fans TV. This is a Greenwood and Molnar show with a fantastic guest. It is the former Newcastle and Republic of Ireland Fullback Stephen Carr. Stephen, welcome to the Greenwood Mole on the show. Cheers, great to great to meet you guys. Uh, looking forward to it. Stephen, Spain, sunny Spain, living in sunny Spain instead of the northeast or the Birmingham area. I can't believe you're missing all this fantastic
2: weather and oh, just England in general. <laughs> no, I'm very lucky because I had the opportunity. Obviously, when I retire to uh, move here with my family. Um, I thought it something different as you say Um, the weather makes a big difference to your lifestyle and um, I have business interests here so it's the perfect little place to come to easy access back and forth if you want to so yeah it's certainly something different not jealous at all but I mean we, we,
1: we get told that these footballers nowadays they all want to live and play in London which of course you were down there uh, before moving to Newcastle. Did that make the move up to the northeast a, tr- a tricky decision?
2: No, not for me, to be honest. It, for me, um, I, I, I say I was in London for twelve years. It's just about football. Um, I never thought of an area. I thought of where, wherever I could, where I could go, where I could um, do well and try win things. So. I, ne- I, I do agree. Yeah, you, I think it happens with a lot of foreign players as well. They come, London seems to be the scene they always want to go to, the lifestyle for their family. It's different up north or Midlands. But for me, I've, I've lived London, Northeast, Midlands. It makes no difference to me, to be really honest. It's a, it's about playing football. When the decision came, Stephen, to
0: move to Newcastle, did the likes of Shay give, give you a little nudge and go, come on, it's lovely up in the Northeast?
2: You'd be, you'd <laughs> up here. Yeah. Yeah, they are lied. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, obviously, I spoke to Shea and you know, but I, I'm quite single minded. I, I, know, I know about Newcastle, you know what I mean? I know about the fan base. I know about the players they had, how close they had come to winning the title. Um, they were a club that were trying to always be competing in the Champions League, um, trying to win the league, and they were investing in it at that period of time. So for me, um, You make the decision on your own, what you think at that moment is good for you. I I thought Newcastle was perfect for me. Um, I loved the players they had, Bobby Robson as a manager. Um, So it was very exciting for me to go up there, something different, a new challenge, as you say, when you're at a club from young, it's easy to stay there. Um, I was quite loyal to them 12 years. I just found it was a good opportunity for me going to Newcastle. I
1: mean, you would have been... Obviously, it didn't work out with Bobby that season. You would have been one of his final signings for, for Newcastle United. Um, yeah. What was it like working with him in that sh- kind of short space of time?
2: Well, here, at the end of the day, like no one can speak high enough of what Bobby's done in the game. Um, and, and even to the end, he was still involved. For me, I loved him. You know what I mean? He gave me freedom. He gave me a lot of freedom to attack. Um, he liked how I played. Um, and i just seen the desire of someone who wants to be a winner and always has been a winner in his career so for the brief spell because it was quite brief I think he got he got sacked in September I think Yeah. Uh, we played Sunderland it wasn't long after that so um, it was very disappointing for me because he was part of the attraction of going to Newcastle that was like the final thing so um, to not be able to work with him long enough was a bit of a miss for me but the football it changes very quick like um, you go to the you go to the club for different reasons, but that's you're there to play for the football club, regardless of who the manager is. That's the way I view it. And anyway, um, but yeah, was it was a pity I didn't get along enough with him.
0: You look at that team, and you look at some of the players that you played with, Stephen, like of your Alan Shea, it was Patrick Kluivert just came in as well, and he was just obviously been playing for Barcelona. You are thinking, wow, I'm joining the like a couple of players as an example to be playing alongside with them every single week. Did no disrespect at talk at that time, but you just felt that the levels had just gone higher automatically when you came to Newcastle.
2: Yeah, at that period of time, I I thought Newcastle were attracting these massive players, like, and they always Newcastle always like they've had some great teams and a lot of foreign players in, and all they've had some great teams over the years, which why people still to this day probably don't understand how they've not won anything because they have had some great teams with good managers so um at that period of time i thought yeah they were doing more to try and then um, go forward as a club uh, tottenham i'd been there for a long time i didn't see they were investing a hell of a lot to move forward into that the champions league what have you and i played with some great players at tottenham as well so it just for me it was a time i just i needed a change and then uh, that's when newcastle popped up i was, I was buzzing to go
1: how times have changed now. It's the other way around now. Tottenham <laughs> <laughs> are spending the money and we're not. <laughs> but um, you, were, you obviously came into that dressing room with like that team that had been together for a couple of three years and playing in the Champions League and then in Europe, in, in the UEFA Cup. Um, what was that like? Did you see the kind of switch in kind of a dressing room dynamic when Graham Souness came in?
2: Um. I don't know. I think I think Graham was under quite a bit of pressure when he was in, and anyway, um, I just say, especially with Bobby leaving, who's been like part of the furniture there, it's quite difficult as a manager coming into that. I think you've seen it in numerous other clubs the Wengers, Ferguson, Levin. They've struggled like getting going again, and most Arsenal. So it is very difficult. It's, I think it's difficult for managers to come in. Um, the fans idolise Bobby. Um, he's he's a big figure up there, so to take his place, it's not easy, it's not easy at all. But we still have great players, as you say, a great team, a great dressing room, good camaraderie. Um, but yeah, it just seemed to falter from there a little bit.
0: The first couple of games under uh, Graham's tenure at Newcastle, um, you're playing regularly just throughout the whole season, you're playing regularly, and you got that fantastic goal down the south coast against Southampton, one touch. Right
2: in the bottom yeah. corner. What, yeah, but you, that's, what were what you're thinking at one point? Uh, just hit it. Um the thing is for that that's that's what you enjoyed doing trying to do that. Like obviously I didn't score enough goals as in because I found myself as I rated myself as an attacking fullback at that time. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't get I didn't get enough goals and get enough assists for it, probably lacked the quality at times. Um but that was a great moment for me. It was the only goal, as I say, it was a good group of lads, JJ Dare, Kieran Dyer, Shearer, some great players, Shay. Um it was an amazing moment, unfortunately, the amazing moments weren't there wasn't many of them. So um, it wasn't to be repeated against the only goal I scored. And I see then I picked up quite a few injuries.
1: I mean, considering it is the only goal you scored for Newcastle, it wasn't a bad one, was it? It was absolutely exactly. of a ever strike. I, I remember you hitting kind of like a similar one for Spurs back in the day when you had the kind of jet, jet black slicked back hair and everything. I, so it, it's it, it's it's something, as you say, that you were kind of used to doing and getting forward and and trying to score.
2: Yeah, quite something a few I tried doing it, it, under managers. I I encouraged to do it. The managers I played under, um, Tottenham, and I very much encouraged, obviously, to defend, but encouraged to be getting forward, trying to score goals and assists. Um yeah, I scored a couple for Tottenham. But I say it's still not really enough. Looking back on it. For the amount of times I had been going forward, so maybe I just lacked that bit of quality to be consistently doing it.
0: You, you talked earlier, Stephen, about how Sir Bobby wanted you just to express yourself and go further forward. Did Graham continue that, or did he want you to be a little bit more disciplined at the back? Or what
2: what did No, he no, want no. From you? No, no. Graham was still, still the same, to be fair. He wasn't like um, holding me back, right? No, no. He uh, wanted me to attack as well. Not not too dissimilar, to be honest. Um, obviously, he. Well, they're very similar, to be fair. They still want a solid defence. Like, I mean, you you don't concede goals, you don't lose games, and that's your job as a defender. But I still had the freedom to go forward, no attack. There was never anybody, never once was I told I couldn't do that. Uh, he still had that philosophy of, of attacking football. Whether it came across like that or not, I don't know, but that was his philosophy, uh, Graham. Um, I still have freedom to go forward.
1: I mean i I can't like on the other like on the other wing you had poor Olivier Bernard with Lauren Robert in front of him who would never get back. <laughs> and um I mean in front of you, would it have been Solano or, or Genus or I yeah. mean how was how was playing alongside them?
2: I, I, I always believe as a fullback, I think you're you're as good as the person that's in front of you. Because as you just said there, when you have a, if you have a winger who doesn't like to help out that makes your job very difficult going forward because you, you get isolated. So I've been very, very lucky. i played with some um, very good wingers in front of me. Darren Anderson, Real Fox, who was at Newcastle. And they all worked hard. And you had that togetherness. Seb Larson works hard. James Milner works hard. Nobby works hard. It's not his game, Nobby. But he'll still do a shift, with you because his game is, he's got an amazing right foot, amazing technique. But he'd still put a shift in. So I think I played with Ginola and like you had to accept like Robert, Janola will win the game for you, but do not expect him to be going the other way. And and so you had to play that as a defender. Um but it does make a difference when you have the winger that works really hard for you. It makes your job a lot easier.
0: Some of those wingers you just mentioned there, like Ginola, Rule Fox and Darren Anderson, and then you've got likes to change well, that's just it's just an absolutely fantastic wingers that you'd be blessed to play with, I suppose. But you look at that season in particular, Stephen, 2004-05. Newcastle, like, a lot of Newcastle fans say that Graham season this year wasn't the best, but the UEFA Cup quarter-finalists, FA Cup semi-finalists. There were some memorable victories throughout that season as well. I can think of the Manchester City game at home at St. James' yeah. as that 4-3 win as well. You know, there was some moments where you go, actually, if Newcastle was a little bit fortunate you never know could it have be been an FA Cup final or your way to a cup final
2: you never know after that I, yeah exactly I think that is football it's very as you say you don't think of that you only think of the negatives and, it, and like there was some positives I think the quarter final Spartanism Lisbon Lisbon way I think uh, we, we gave away from what I remember I remember um Kieran Dyer who who was a big threat for us with his pace but I think he, he done his hamstring in it again I think he got injured again there. Yeah. and as you say it's these moments, I think if Kieran had stayed fit and was in that game, we would have won it. And then you go to a semi final where you had a bit depleted squad of injuries that we had to play on the Sunday. I think it was a Thursday, Sunday, with yeah. the travel. So as you say, that that week defines a lot. You get that little bit of luck look at times and you're looking at a completely different thing and the outlook on ground because at the end of the day as you say it's semi finals, but it means nothing in the end. At the end of the day, you don't win anything. you are not got to the final. So, the most important thing is to win things. People don't look back at who, who lost. It's somebody who win.
1: That, that game in Lisbon, I remember it like it was like it was yesterday. Because we'd, we'd gone 1-0 up, hadn't we, in Lisbon. And then, as you say, Kieran Dyer went off injured.
2: There's, he was there's, causing there's... all sorts of problems. He was causing oh, all really. sorts of problems. I think that's what I... And then you, you see moments. I remember it. And... He ha- if he hadn't been injured, then I do believe we would have won the game because the problems they couldn't cope with him, they just couldn't, couldn't cope with his pace. And he had the freedom on the ground to just not a free roll, but Sam, because of his pace, he'd cause havoc. And, and the foreigners didn't like running after him, it's simple, they weren't used to it.
1: Oh, no, well, f- I mean, I think it was Scholar that came on for him, and no disrespect to Scholar, but he hasn't quite got the legs that Kieran Dyer has. No, he's but, a
2: completely different player. He's a figurehead up there, Show. I mean, cause problems, you get a lot of bits off him, but he's not—he's not, he's not going to run them no. as much as once he gets going. That's not his strength. It's like Kieran's not a strength to hold the ball up, but Kieran's strength is running off the likes of Scholar and me on the with them type players and getting bits off them and slotting them in. But yeah, so it just. We lost the momentum in the game with that, I think, and and they got. I think they got a bit of a lift from it because I think they were quite relieved he had to go off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's a quite an important point though, because you know the likes of your Kieran Dyers, you know, can make the difference. Your big your big name players can make that difference, can get you to from one round to the next round. and. I think that's probably what we, probably what cost Newcastle in the end. Just those slightly unfortunate errors, but. But
1: well, Graham if, shouldn't have loaned out Bellamy to Celtic. Then we would have had some pace off the bench.
0: I think there's a couple of yeah. stories about that, Sam. Because I think, <laughs> I, think, I think I think there might have been a there might have been a slight fallout halfway through. I can vividly remember a game against Arsenal where there was I think there was an interview, but um, what, what was what was Craig Bellamy like actually, Stephen? Was he what, was he was he that difficult to play with, or was he a fantastic player, or what? What would you say about Craig?
2: Him? Craig Bellamy is a pain in the arse, but for me, he's a winner. That's one yeah. thing. He was a winner. He worked hard in training. He always tried to better himself, and he's a very good player on the pitch. And as you say, in a, a big threat, a massive threat against anybody. So um, no, Craig, I got him very well with Craig. No problems with Bellas. they no, as I said, he was he was very professional. And um, would he would he? Would he annoy people at times? Of course he would. Oh, he come across that, it doesn't matter. Once these players do it on the pitch, it, it makes no difference. You just ignore them. Um, so <laughs> he's a little pain, like everybody say. He can be a little pain, but he's a very, very good player. He's a very good player and a very good pro. And as you say, like players like him, you, you have that in the team and it makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. I mean, whilst we're speaking on players that uh, that have had fallouts, I mean, that fallout between Graham and, and Craig Bellamy wasn't even the biggest fallout of that season. Um, <laughs> you, were the, you were the first... I mean, you, you, we all know what I'm referring to. I mean, you were the first man in there to break up uh, Dyer and Boja, Stephen. Could you believe what your eyes
2: were seeing? No, but I don't think anybody could because I remember looking <laughs> at it when they were coming together because, as you say, I'm pulled back, so I'm straight ahead. They were straight ahead of me. And it was one of them moments where you think is actually happening, what you're seeing. And then it's that split second, you run and think. It's very hard to uh, confirm that in your head because I've never been involved in that where the two teams, yeah, you've had scuffles with other players and it gets edgy and then get sent off. Big difference. But to have that in your own team, is, it's very strange, like um, very one-off. So, yeah, it was a very, very strange game. Um, and then tails gets sent off on the line with his acrobatics. No, then no. we're down to <laughs> shoulder, yeah. shoulder, <laughs> and then we're down to then we're down to eight men. And you're thinking, just we need to get in the dressing room. Like this game is done. <laughs> like, but it was a very, very strange game, most strange game I've ever been involved in. D-
1: did the rest of the squad see the press conference afterwards when the tea lady interrupted?
2: No, I did. I don't think I seen it.
1: Did she? You've never seen that. So, not right. that I can remember, right? I'll, I'll email you the video clip. But the thing oh, is, right? So, so Graham soon had the press conference with one of them either side, like naughty school children. Oh, uh, yeah, I
2: remember that. That's right. Yeah, so I the tea remember, lady, I,
1: can't, I think her name was Kath, was it John? Kath, yeah, Kath yeah. So, she comes in whilst Graham's in full flow. And then just starts making a cup of tea right in front of him, and then I mean it's it, it's absolutely fantastic. But I could imagine if the rest of the squad would have seen that, then that would have kind of diffused the whole situation. Because I imagine the dressing room after that game would, was a bit awkward.
2: Yeah, because I think everyone was just sitting there thinking what's going gone on. Um, a lot of anger, obviously, because at the end of the day we lost the game as well. So, and as you say, it's not good in the football club. It doesn't look good. It's like it looks like there's big issues in the dressing room. When you got players coming together, which there wasn't, there was no issues on the training pitch with them, nothing. So it was very strange. Where you know, you, you, sometimes you see things building up, the players with a clash and they're clashing, but even then, it never ever ever spills out onto the football pitch. But you didn't even have that with them. So that was the most strangest thing. I think they—they've done interviews. There was never any issues. Not yeah, you argue with players. They get they get underneath you. But that's just life. Well, there's never a thing where you think out like that could go on the pitch. So and, and it's another it's another awkward situation for a manager. Like what do you do? What do you say at the end of the day? there two two key players playing in your team. so very, very strange. And um, there were no winners in it at the end of the day. I think them two lost out, and the team lost out.
0: Are you basically trying to say that Lee Boyer would have easily won that fight? Because I think that's where my money was going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no, comment. no. Sure we would have had a pair on. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably no would problem. as well. No <laughs>
0: problem. Um, but yeah, obviously towards the end of, end of that season, obviously the season ends and, you know, Newcastle do finish 14th and obviously the, the cup runs obviously probably overshadowed the, the Premier League because they'll probably take more of a significance, but Graham's still in charge the next season. Mike Lohan comes in, more investment in the football club. What were the priorities or what were the ambitions of the football club the next season? Was it just to, was it to, try and get back into the top half, try to get into Europe? Or did did Graham think, actually, this team can go places, even though a couple of players had left towards the end of that season as well?
2: No, I think it was. Uh, get back into Europe, obviously, finishing 14th, you're way off it. But um, the team shouldn't be in that position. But you are in that position at the end of the day. That's what you, at the end of the season, it doesn't lie to the table. You, you've earned what you've got in that table, give or take one or two games where you're a bit unlucky. So, no, the ambition was still to go into Europe because that was it. Ambition. Why I was even there. Why I explained that move Because their ambition was to finish high, and that didn't change. And as you had Michael Owen who comes in, um, top striker in world football. And um, so no, I think that proved where the club wanted to still go. They weren't just happy mid table. I don't think that was ever good enough for uh, the people upstairs and not for the fans as well.
1: I read an, uh, an interview with you this week, Steve, I think it was the, with the Chronicle, that you kind of look back on your time as at Newcastle like you were a, a bit of a failure. I think that's very harsh on yourself because uh, I don't think you were. <laughs> I mean, have you seen our no, team at the moment? I, you, you'd walk I, into the right-back spot now.
2: <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'm not saying a complete failure. What I, I, It's a failure to me to what I wanted to achieve. Right. So... Did I did I um did I deliver what I could deliver? No, I don't believe I did. And that's just being an honest assessment of myself. Yeah, I had a lot of injuries. I never felt like I got going. I got injured again, got out. That's not why I went to Newcastle. I didn't go to Newcastle to just play a bit and the injured, it doesn't matter. So that's why I look at it as a failure. I, there's no, there's no regret, me, because that's mm-hmm. I wanted to do that. I mean I never look back with regrets, no way. Um I enjoyed times there. I didn't enjoy it that I was injured quite a bit. And mm. when you keep getting injured every year, I was injured for four months then. And it's difficult. You get going again, you're injured. So that's, yeah, I look at it, it. Of course, it is a failure in some ways because if you go to a club to try to help them keep moving forward, but you're not really helping them because you haven't delivered what you, they've got you to, to do week in, week out. So that's, why I, that's how I look at it. It may be a bit harsh, but um, that's my honest assessment of it.
0: Mentally, how tough is that, Stephen? Because like you say, you get over the injury. I'm sure, you know, you've got the rehab, you've you've got that goal in mind to go, right, I want to be back for this game or I want to be at least in the squad for this game. And then a few games or a couple of months, you just kind of get going, get going. And then there's another setback. Do you just have to be so positive minded to get through that sort of um, situation?
2: Yeah, like I, I've had quite a few injuries in my time. I've been out for long periods of injuries as well, which is very, very difficult. Um yeah, you just you just keep working hard. But sometimes, like people look at it from the outside. I think when people get injured a lot, and I, I know they deal with people, but players have heard it. Well, he mustn't. Injured players work actually harder than fit mm-hmm. players to a certain level because they end up going through two pre seasons. So it, it becomes harder because you always you're always starting again which is quite annoying, especially when you get your season right. I've done it. I think I've done it against Middlesbrough where I pulled my hamstring within 12 minutes or something. I felt fit. I felt brilliant. Bang. You can't. Why that happens, I don't know. Um, It's not true not working hard enough and doing your work. I I do. I, I love training. So I still love training. I just think you can be unlucky with injuries. I think the body, some people get them and some people don't. But yeah, it is quite a, a, a test on your mental strength. It's, it's something that never, um, it bothered me being injured, but didn't I didn't, it never made me weaker in the head, like as in getting back. Um, it just makes you more determined, but unfortunately, you keep getting kicks. It, it does take its toll. It takes its toll on your body, but not, your mind, if you have your mind right, it's fine, but it's your body, it's recovery again. Stop recovery again.
1: There was a lot of players in that squad when you were there as well that kept so kind of, not injury-prone, but just kept having these niggling injuries and we, we seemed to be depleted so much. And then, as you say, you you work your nuts off to get back in the squad and then you've got Jean-Alain Boomsong next to you who's error-prone, to put it politely. I mean, like you say, that's got to be a serious, serious test of mental <laughs> strength. Did you ever have moments with kind of, Cause like it's no secret, our defence was a bit hit and miss in in the centre. W- would frustration ever boil over with a couple of them lads?
2: Um, not, not really, to be honest, because I don't think anybody goes out there to make a mistake. They're mm. in twenty to fifty or thousand. <laughs> you don't go out there to make mistakes. Is some players make more mistakes than others? Yeah, you still see it every day, every every game you see. But there's no foot, but there's no player who goes out there not committed. So um yeah, you can have frustration. But here, the keeper will have frustration out the defender if he lets it get in has a shot. That's just frustration is because you don't want to concede, you don't want to, you know, what I mean that's just normal. Like whether it's it's not a personal frustration. Everybody has frustration with people making mistakes, silly mistakes, errors that can be avoided. You're outclassed by a player, you're outclassed by a player, it's simple. You're always there is gonna be times you're gonna be outclassed. Too many good players around, but now I think I think it's frustration from everybody. Everybody's frustrated with each other, as I said, because it's a team game. Because you can just keep going back. Why is the why is the midfield letting the players just do what they want and get through? So, but yeah, per, uh, individual errors are very hard to qualify That's up to the player, you know what I mean. And you want to make it as least amount as possible, especially as a defender.
0: In that second season, you experienced um, the time we had the uh, Newcastle versus sunland and never lost one, which is just fantastic. And um, what was that first game like in particular at Saint James? Is again, the, so we talked about the pressure that Graham soon has had, and there was there was quite a lock at this point. I think it would have been a turning point, maybe even early for Graham if, if he had lost that game. But it was a game that had a bit of everything. It was two two at halftime. It took the lead twice, and then a little uh, Turkish magician called Emery with a fantastic free kick in the second half. What was the whole day like if you can remember the atmosphere? How important the game was to everybody at that point and the result in the win after.
2: Um yeah, yeah, Derby games are the best. It doesn't matter what team it is, because every team says that they have the best derby. I always said that. And it is the best derby for every every fan. It's the best derby in the world. It doesn't really matter. And it, it is like that. Um I played in a few of them. But unbelievable the atmosphere amazing. It was an amazing game. Graham's under pressure as well, which adds a bit more. Um, you know he's under pressure as players. So, it just adds a little more. They'll know, they'll know he's under pressure, the Sunderland players. Because if that's me going away, it's keep a it clean sheet. They're going to get restless. They're going to get on the manager. They're going to get on the team. So, it does add a little bit more to it. But you have to stand up. I think I think the atmosphere of it takes over. And they're just amazing games to be involved in. Derby games are the best games of the season for a long way. I think a lot has gone away from it because... The way the fans are segregated as well, even going into the going into the grounds and all, it's all police, better or not. I know it's meant to be, but it does take. Personally, I think it takes a lot away from it because I think that's part of. It. I had it in the London derby going to going to Highbury, out of pubs. They're all coming out, all the fans. That adds to the excitement of it for me, but it does be a bit different now the way it's all segregated. So unfortunately, but it has to be.
1: So what you're saying is you'd like to see a few scraps on the team bus on the way in just to, <laughs> just, to just to get the juice. I,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind bottles getting thrown at the bus. I think it's it's good, it's life. But um, yeah, but it is different. It's completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've been taken away. And it takes a bit away from it for the build up from outside. But then once you're inside, it's a bit different because Newcastle, the way they have the, the way fans put, they actually yeah. silence them. Where a lot of grounds, you're, you're closer to the white right fans more, so you're feeling that from and you feel the hatred, which is brilliant. You know what I mean? I had a with Villa, Birmingham, it's quite close, you just feel it. Uh, Newcastle, you just feel the Newcastle, you can't even hear the Sunderland. you can't hear fans up the top. So it's quite clever what they do, where they put the fans, to be fair. But amazing atmosphere, as you saw, it, there's not many grounds like Newcastle when, when the team is doing well. The atmosphere is incredible. Like that stadium does erupt, and you can see the hunger in the fans and the desire. So obviously, when it's not doing well, you see the other side. Normal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> does does like when things aren't going well? Then does it affect the team on the pitch? Then because the atmosphere can turn sour, and it and it sort of it's getting that way at the moment. So can it affect what happens on the pitch?
2: I think it affects individuals. I think every individual is different. For me, I don't care. It doesn't bother me one bit because at the end of the day, you get paid to play and this is what comes with it. You live a good life from it. Fans are going to be, fans work hard. Ticket prices are very expensive now. You know what I mean? They work hard all week to go and watch a game of football. They don't like the way that things are going at the club. It filters down onto the management. Then it filters the managers under pressure. It filters the tension. filters into the players if you allow it. And that depends on the individuals, because at the end of the day, you still go out there to play for the club. Take away the owners, take away the manager, you're playing for the club. So um, for me, it doesn't bother me, but does it help? No, that definitely doesn't help. It doesn't help you have that atmosphere where it's nearly probably waiting for something to happen. So then they can get on it. And instead of being in, in more on the front foot, it's more of a back foot one. But that's what happens when fans aren't happy you know what I mean it happens at every ground Newcastle Newcastle is just one of many grounds that fans won't be happy the way a club's being run or who's in charge or whatever players they pick. it's part of the game
0: Just you going back onto the derbies there's a question that I was going to say um, obviously you've mentioned the Second City derby obviously you've played North London derbies and the time we had derby which one's your favourite out of the three that you've uh, competed in? Sorry?
2: Quite so the three
0: Sorry, out of the three derbies that you played, the North London derby, the Second City and the tyne Weir, which one was your favourite personally? Oh, I'm not going to say that. Can't say that.
2: Yeah. It's different. Uh, well, like, now, um, Harbury was amazing because it was the old type ground. Very yeah. small, very tight. Brilliant. I, mean, like, I still think he lost something by leaving Highbury. You know, I understand why they've done it. Even West Ham, it's the exact same. West Ham, old ground, fans are on top of you. Creates a completely different atmosphere um, but the Birmingham Villa game was fired. That's an old round as well. We played them in the cup and bet them in the cup. it all kicked off. The tension in it. But I, say, I think it's unfair because I think every derby is as much as big as the other. But I think the, when you're in the old stadiums, there's something different. There's definitely something more, as you say, the hybrid games. White Hartland is an older stadium as well. The fans, you're right on the fans. Um, Birmingham Villa is a bit bigger. Birmingham, very close. Yeah. So I think I think you lose something when you haven't got them stadiums. Obviously, times change. It has to get more modern. It has to move up. But definitely, it takes away a bit from it. If you go to Derby, yeah, you have the Derby or the Emirates Stadium. I played there, but it just lacks something. It lacks. I don't know. It's just a bit more raw in them old stadiums.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the way stadium, new stadiums are built nowadays, it's just you're right. It does it does miss miss a bit of. Uh, Spice, should we say, from from the crowd, but um, away from club football, obviously, internationally, you got to play with a couple of interesting characters there as well. Like, I mean, we see Roy Keane as uh, one of the top pundits on TV now. How is he to play with? Because I imagine things could get a bit interesting with him sometimes.
2: Yeah, but what Roy is, Roy is a, a warrior. When you're in mm. the team, he will go to any he'll go anywhere and defend you. Um, he'll demand a lot from you, you need to be ready for that, especially if you're a young player. I remember being in the squad, my young player is quite a little bit daunting with him because he can be he can be nasty, but that's what's made him what he is. Um, I've played many a game with him and I, I loved it. He, he's a leader, he doesn't take second best and he demands it, he just demands the most he can get out of you on the pitch. But will he go to war with you? Yeah, will he back you anywhere? Definitely. So for me, I I always i always know I loved his me- I loved his um mentality towards the game. Um, yeah, he's the best player. He, he has a job a punditry for life. They must just love him because he just, <laughs> he, he's brilliant. He, he just say how it is. He doesn't care, and that's the way he is, and that's how he is as a, as a player. He say it doesn't matter how, who how big you are as a player. Regardless, it doesn't really matter to him. He's all on that pitch equal, you're all trying to get that result. So for me I loved Roy. Roy was brilliant.
1: Keen or Shearer.
2: Different players. Yeah I know.
0: (laughs) I thought we were getting an answer to that. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) <laughs> silence. Um, silence is probably best sometimes. Um, just taking it, back, taking it back onto the air uh, to Newcastle and um, the late Glenn Roeder took over from Graham Sumner. And um, what was Glenn like as a manager? Because if you look at the end of that two thousand five six season, he got the team ticking. I don't think we lost many games at all. Obviously, we beat the Southern four one to stay in the light. Um, I think it was only Manchester United and Liverpool we really lost to that I can really think of and at towards about end of that season. So what was he doing differently, Stephen, to maybe what Graham was doing, or was it just the fact that it was just a more of a positive positive atmosphere around the place?
2: I think uh, as you say, like Graham, very, very sad. Um he's a gentleman, you know what I mean? he's a proper gentleman, Glenn. Really cared. Um I don't think that there'll be a lot massive given. He had done a, he done a lot of homework on his on his teams. He done a lot. Um, it shows a good atmosphere around them but I've, I've, it's down to the players at the end of the day you know what I mean we we did do well and you can look at our managers and you can blame our managers or whatever yeah there's certain times when if you're if you've got attacking players and they're not being allowed to sh- show what they're about and the manager's kind of playing them in a different way yeah you can then kind of look at it but l- not massive things change under Glenn Um to previous managers, and um, we got results, but the players performed better. But Clain was a really nice guy, to be honest. And I don't know whether that came into it as well. He, he cared. It's like he's proper like a father type figure. I, mm. you know, what I mean that's what he is. So it is. It was very sad because I remember, I remember because as captain as well under. I remember going into his office. Emery, Emery is a very very gifted player. So. Em would get would have got more days off to go home. Which I had I kinda of had a problem with. Because my attitude is, well, I'm away from home. But when I look back in it now, and I remember discussing, he says you have to you have to deal with players differently. Which I maybe I was I wasn't understanding it enough as a manager because as a player. And when I look back, I kind of get it. I I, I think you do have to play with different players. and um, but it can be quite upset the Apple a little bit, I, I think. But if once that player, is get, you get something that that player wins games from you, well, fair enough, it, it's worth it. I'm sure man just do it all the time. I've been around it, but... And I remember having an argument with him about it. But it was an argument with Clem was an honest argument, you know what I mean? He's a good guy, there's nothing. It's just my personal opinion on it. Um, and that's how we work, he worked. He worked different type players. And, and sometimes you get the best of players that way. Um, we can all have a different opinions on it. But I, I think that's still, that goes on in management. I just, for me, I couldn't understand. I always think you're all in it together. You're all the same, but maybe it's not like that. Maybe you do have to play with different players differently to get the best out. them. you can bollock one player. You can't bollock the other. I've seen that like where players will just go into themselves, or others don't care. And um, so, yeah, it's different, but he's oh, a gentleman, man. you know, I mean, so sad, very, very sad. Um Big loss, but yeah, he was very good he was very enjoyable to play under.
1: I'd have been like you though. I mean Emray didn't win us anywhere near enough games to justify extra days off. No way. Well, I mean. like yeah, you.
2: but that's Yeah, but yeah, but that's that's management. That's that's where management's not easy. You know, man mm-hmm. it's trying to keep every individual different different individuals, different personalities, different mentality. Um but it's football, isn't it? It's different in different places.
1: Yeah, I always felt a bit sad when um, Rhoda got the sack. And then, obviously, Big Sam came in with his army of sports scientists. But uh, I seem to remember one pre-season game against Celtic. Um, you played that day, and it was actually my first game because being in the Midlands, none of my family liked football, so I had to wait until I could drive myself up. That was my first game pre-season friendly against Celtic. And uh, Big Sam brought Steve Harper on up front.
2: Yeah. that was That was weird. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> As you say, it's weird. How do I answer <laughs> something weird? Because that, like you have all the well, sports harps scientists harps harps in harps the harps world,
1: and then you bring a keeper on up front. It's, it's it's weird. What was what was that? Did Big Sam have a plan about that, or did he just do it for bands? That's
2: just weird. I think he. I think he just done it for banter to be honest because harps always liked playing outfield like all keepers think they're outfield players when they yeah. Come the game. yeah and all, all they do is be clumsy and hurt people you know what i mean it's like but keepers are weird aren't they? let's be honest like to get the ball smashed at you from five yards and keep doing that it's they are weird like so i don't know i think it was just it must have been just banter i think harps must have been into him. come on put me up put me on give us Give us a minute on the pitch. <laughs> I forgot about that, actually. I forgot that happened. Just when you remind me now, I remember now. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's been being brought on.
1: Yeah, because, like, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing because he had a proper outfield shirt with his name and number on the back. And I sat in the East and going, what the hell? Is this... I mean, I know money might be tight after the Owen signing, but Jesus... Uh, yeah, I think I think he much.
2: just I think he was into him obviously, and he just he said, oh, "I'll give him a shot up front, bring him on for a few minutes." I think that's well, it was. When,
1: when you're playing behind Shay Given, I'm surprised Paddy
2: Kenny never got a game up front for Ireland. <laughs> yeah, <probably laughs> like Shay, like Shay, like it's very to to shift Shay is impossible because Shay was unbelievable at Newcastle. The amount yeah. like he was he was brilliant for Ireland, like you know, what I mean, the amount of points he saved us, the amount of games he won for us was phenomenal. Um top top keeper. Best keeper you played with
0: in your career, Steven?
2: Best keeper. Yeah, um probably I I played with um with Birmingham I was very, very lucky. I Ben Foster and Joe Hart. And the two of them are unbelievable first. Hence how well we've done in the seasons was because of the keepers. Yeah, we were solid as a defence. We worked hard as a unit, great bunch of players, but they they were like but I played longer periods with Shay with Newcastle and the International, so I'd have to put Shea there. But Ben and Joe were unbelievable as well. But yeah, I just because the amount I played with Shea was a lot more, I'd put him there. But the other two were outstanding for us at Birmingham. Amazing. Mm.
1: No. Shea she gave it unbelievable. I mean i gutted when he left. If only he would have had one more season, then he would have been the all time appearance record holder for Newcastle, which I think he does. We would have deserved, but um, yeah. With 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 you and Shay in that squad in particular, did you have much influence on the likes of Damien Duff signing for Newcastle?
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't think because Tottenham wanted uh, Damien at that time. Really? Um, it was, yeah, yeah, it was Tottenham or Newcastle, um, but yeah, we were into Duff. I remember speaking to him quite a bit. Because I rate Duffer. Duffer's an unbelievable winger. I played against him enough. Unbelievable. And there's, there's a winger who'll just, he'll work as hard going the other way as going forward. of mm-hmm. energy. Great on the ball. So, yeah, we were, we were quite getting into him to come because I thought he'd be brilliant for us. I think it was going to be an amazing signing for us. Um, but luckily he did. But another one has injuries as well, he did. He very unfortunate injuries up there. And it's another one who's a top, top pro. Work as hard as any other player, get fit, and a very fit lad. Well, he just he was unlucky as well. Very strange.
0: It happens. I think that's. I think like I said, it's part and parcel of football, isn't it? It happens sometimes. you just just some moves just don't work out for whatever reason. But um, just going back to maybe towards the end of your time at Newcastle, Stephen, and uh, with big with big Sam, and then obviously Kevin Keegan comes in. Who do you think was the best manager that got the best out of you at Newcastle? Was it a Glenn Roeder or was it a, a Graeme Souness at your
2: time? Um, I don't think... I think they are all similar, to be really honest. I didn't, I didn't see a period of time where I thought, wow, yeah, like where I've had previous, with previous managers at Tottenham. I didn't really see it, it as all very just even... Um, I say because every year I had an injury. It was all pretty even. Um, Sam's a completely different manager, different way. to say sports science, was, which I I kind of maybe there's a method behind. It. I kind of struggled with it a little bit. I struggled with the mentality of you have to be training at this level only for a certain period of time. Where I trained to, I train, I train as hard as I play in the game. That was my mentality, and it's the only way to train. So it's very difficult to change that. And Maybe it's right. Maybe it is a way. Maybe it does prevent you injuries-wise. But for me, that I'd, I'd feel i I'd suffer fitness-wise in that level. I think you have to... I always believe in any training game, you have to train the way you play. Um, I think that's an old British-Irish mentality. Maybe that isn't the way. But I don't know. I don't think you can ever be fit enough. That's why I look at it.
1: Yeah. Was um as Johnny's North Shields Wi-Fi dips again? um, Was coaching ever an option for you, Stephen? Because like the, some of the stories you've told were kind of like managers having a hard time and whatnot. But so was that? Was that enough to put you off?
2: No, no, not that. No, not the hard time. I think um I think you just have to look at it now. I think there's around probably around three or four hundred players. I don't know what retire every year. The mountain trying to be a coach. And how many jobs is there? What level do you go in at? I've no lad who have gone in there. I know Stephen Clemens. Stephen Clemens is now obviously with Brucey. Brucey's looked after him very well. But he had the earnest stripes. And you need to be dedicated and you need to really love it. And for me, I would never have that dedication to do coaching. So you should never put yourself in the position because it is difficult. It's difficult moving up. It's difficult dealing, dealing with players. It's difficult. You have to start with younger players, which are more difficult to deal with than ever, um, especially the way football has evolved and changed. So I think either love it or not. And for me, I didn't. I never done my badges. I think that told me enough that I didn't want to do it. I don't. The badges, are, as most players do, you have to just tick the box with a lot of it that you don't even agree in. So, no, it, didn't, it just didn't interest me. Not because of my... Yeah, it's good at the top. But if you're in the lower in the lower levels, you're doing everything as a manager. It's tough. You know what I mean? So there's nothing glamorous about it. It's tough, tough work. And as you say, you can do well one season in the championship or something. The next thing you don't do so, so well, all of a sudden you, you drop, you get sacked, and then a job a job comes up, you could have forty, fifty managers going for that job. And that's not even a top level. So and how many people, you know what I mean, how many new coaches every year. So you only have to look at now Lampard and Gerrard. But after that, what ex-player is a manager? Yeah, It's good
0: points, very, very good points.
2: Lampard is gone. He's, in, he's out of a job. Yeah. Uh, John Terry is assistant manager of Villa. Gerard's at Rangers done, doing very, very well. But after that, so that tells you the opportunities. And you can even go into the Championship with that. Because you've got experience out there, it's very difficult for an owner to say, "Right, we're going to give him a shot. We're going to take a chance on him." Gerrard was a massive, massive name. Lampard was a massive name. He was a massive name at Chelsea, hence why he got the job at Chelsea from Derby. But then, even him, as big as he is, as much as close he was to Burnbridge, still got rid of him. Uh, it's not easy. Not easy. John Terry's left. He's he's not he's not got a job yet. So. I think that's the way you have to quantify it. So you either love it, just staying in the game, which I think a lot of players go into because they need to stay in the game around football, feeling part of what they've been used to. So I think that's part of it as well. There's not many succeed out of all of them. You're you're still trying to think of a player, aren't you? I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, sorry. Scott Perry, done me. <laughs>
0: Scotty, Former teammate. <laughs> I know.
2: He's, he's done well.
0: He's, he's going to be a very, yeah. very good
2: manager. Yeah, 100%. Manager. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He's very good. You can always see it in Scott. Um, just, obviously, you, you left Newcastle and you
0: actually announced your retirement before you actually went to Birmingham City. Um, but did you, did you miss it? Did you feel that you still have something left to give in football? And when you look at that Birmingham move, the League of 2011, Europa League football as well. Yeah, what, I only I, I retired.
2: I retired because I couldn't get a club. All oh, right. Yeah, I couldn't get
1: That's, couldn't, that's I, mad when you think about it. Why? Well, could you not get a club? Because it wasn't like you were like 36, 37. You were still
2: thirty two. No, I 32 I was 32. I had some hamstring problem at the end. I was fifth the last month of the season. Um, I was just training, but I didn't get one offer. Uh, I went to West Ham on trial. I thought I'd done really well. They wanted me to go pre-season then, and I, I wouldn't go because I thought I'd leave myself very exposed if I got injured. No club, get injured. Uh, so I, I turned it down. And that was the only bit I'd offer type thing I got. So I didn't get any offer on the table. So you can only wait so long. I was training on my own. I didn't even do football training. I just trained on me own. Um, and then, I got an opportunity with Birmingham because the me old doctor in Newcastle knew Alex McLeish and that's the only reason I got an opportunity. That's, that So I had to, he said, I was going on holiday in uh, January, in around the Christmas I'm sure, and he said, will you come over and go on trial for a month? I said, yeah. So I canceled me holiday, I went, I went on trial. Then bear in mind, I had no football fitness, I was there for eight months. So I had to build it up again, during a pre-season. Um. And then from then I just went on, I, he gave he extended it to, to the end of the season. If we went up, then there'd be a contract for me. And that's how that just all, all happened. I, I, I retired because I was forced to retirement because you, cannot, you can't wait over a year. It's impossible. You can't get back in playing football. Your body will have changed so much. It's a completely different training to what I was doing. So, yeah, I, I ended up signing. We ended up going up in the last game of the season away and I, I signed a contract. Uh, and it turned out to be unbelievable for me yeah. from nothing. So, um, yeah, I, ju- I just, I was very lucky. <laughs> the old dock at Newcastle was very close to Alex McLeish. That's the only reason.
1: Funny how these things work out. But like, Birmingham, yeah, but that's, that's where you, yeah, yeah. Ber- Birmingham would have been where you would have played with Stephen Clements then, wouldn't it? And then,
2: yeah, I think where Clem was near the end, yeah. Clem was going down.
1: Was he oh, always, been... did, did you know if he always had his eye on coaching? Is is he a good yeah. bloke? And is, he did have yeah, yeah, He's his yeah, he first team coach now at Newcastle, isn't
2: he? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Clem's a really, really good lad. I was at Tottenham. He's my roomie at Tottenham for a good few years. So I grew up with Clem. Clem was a year younger than me, but we we're in the, we we're always in the squads together. So he'd be a roomie for years. So I was quite close with Clem. He's a very good friend. And um, yeah, but he was doing his badges when at Birmingham when I used to go, up. he was, he was doing all his stuff. Remember. Doing sessions, we we're talking about different sessions. So yeah, yeah, he'll probably want to be a manager. He's a, he's a really, really good lad, really good lad. Um, I'm sure he's a good coach. I've never seen him coach. I'm sure he is. He's gone with Brucey. Um, but yeah, I know Clem very well. So uh, yeah, he always wanted to go into coaching after. Uh, after.
0: And another Birmingham player, who former Newcastle player. Well, I wonder what this player was like. Oberfemi Martins scoring the winner for Birmingham at Wembley against Arsenal. That's what he did he He was
1: horrendous
2: wasn't he he was horrendous (laughs) what was was he like at Newcastle though as well yeah but Obi Obi had everything to cause the problem it's just whether you got it that day you just didn't know because his pace was electrifying he was strong as an ox for such a small lad but he'd win a game or he'd be poor like you just you just did not know what you are going to get on that day but he could be so dangerous for you but he's just in and out. He's that type of in and out type player. But what a handful. Like, on, on his day, massive handful. But he's a he, he, really good lad. Good to be around. Nice lad and all. Good. But you just didn't know what was going to happen with him. He wasn't a a finisher. If he was a great, great finisher, God, because he could get himself in any position with his pace and power. Um, But he just didn't have that like a Michael here, where We'd slot it very rare. Like, so... But then he just put one in the top corner from nowhere. No backlift, bang. So he's, he just surprised you. I think he's always done that everywhere he's been. He yeah. just could to be surprised. I had him at Birmingham, but he, he didn't play much at Birmingham on loan. Um, he didn't do much, but then he's remembered for scoring the cup final goal. It's, it's amazing how football works. That's all people talk about.
1: Yeah. I remember away at Spurs when we won three two, he scored an absolute rocket uh, yeah. and
2: he was absolutely
1: anonymous. He was shite before that went in. But then like as you say, he scores the winner for you in the in the League Cup final. Was that the, the best day of your footballing career? It,
2: it was um I'd I'd won with um I'd run it with Tottenham, but as younger. And then I think the circumstances around me going to Birmingham, being the captain, the first trophy you now, I think it has to be because it had it it's just the whole... At Tottenham, you were expected to do something at that time. You are always expected to win something. At Birmingham, was a completely different thing. I was playing against Arsenal as well, which added a bit more for me. Um, everybody would write us off. So everything was stacked against you. And, and the, the journey for me to get to that final, I'd never have seen it. The, like previous, because I, I just say, I couldn't get a club. So it has to be one of my, my best days. Um, because everything about it, was just perfect they say beating arsenal as well and then bringing it home to to birmingham and the, the fans who were as you say it's like newcastle fans just waiting for that trophy and especially birmingham at that stage they don't they're not investing you know what i mean the club's a bit of a mess they, they'll never they never expected to have that so that's what added a little bit more
0: just moving on to current day newcastle united stuff Stephen. um Obviously, very early into this season, Newcastle are on one point out of the first three games of the season. Um, already at the Carabao Cup as well. And There's a lot of pressure on Steve Bruce at the minute. Um, what do you make of Newcastle today and right now? And do you think it's going to be a tough season for them?
2: Well, yeah, I, I watched the Newcastle against West Ham game, which was an unbelievable game. Like, And I don't watch many games because I think a lot of games don't have that excitement as much. But that was an unbelievable game. The problem for Newcastle at the moment is you have an ownership that wants to sell. So it hangs over everything because then the fans are disgruntled to get rid, just want a new beginning and that all filters down. Bruce ideally would not want to start the season with one from three because he knows what's happening with that. That's just adding the pressures getting bigger, going out of the cup straight away bigger. So it's, it's going to be a difficult season. And I think, like, at the end of the day, you could see going forward, they, they have got players, but the problem is when that pressure is so big and mounts, it's, 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 as I said before, it's like you're waiting on that mistake. You're not, the fans are on the negative at the moment because the whole situation with the club, it's been dwindling on for a long time now with Mike Ashley. He openly wants to sell the club, it hasn't been sold, they're expected big, big people to come in who would spend money, so they're getting excited now, that's all dropped again. So it's just a little bit limbo. I, I think it's a limbo club at the moment, the way it is, um, which doesn't help the team at all. Um, they haven't bought many players in the window, which the fans now are angry about as well. Uh, so it's just everything. There's, not, there's nothing positive coming into the fans' minds, so they'll bring that into the stadium with them. The players know. Bruce knows he's under pressure. The players know he's under pressure, so it depends now. They just need to nick a result or two, just get a bit of positive back in. But it's going to be tough for them. It will be a tough season.
1: Yeah, our next game's at Old Trafford with uh, Ronaldo's second debut. So can't can't wait for that. That's going to be a great, <laughs> great one. Um, to kind of come full circle, um, you're in Spain. You didn't do your coaching badges. So how does a former international right-back end up with his own fashion line, which isn't horrendous like greelish and madison have got with
2: booze <laughs> How the, young, does that the, young,
1: happen?
2: the younger the younger difference well to be fair, i'm in spain i'm part of the restaurant business as well here, and that's what brought me that's why it's good to get here and I, I tried to learn about business behind the scenes there i worked in there for a few years with staff and then all um it happens because I, I have a very good friend here who used to be in that industry and um, so i think it happened i think COVID kind of made it happen to be really honest, because I think people are, how they dress is a bit different. I live in gym gear, I live in casual gear, I don't wear anything else. And uh, so I think people are working from home a lot. And I think it's just easiness. So the clothing range is, yeah, as you say, it's not flashy, you know. It's just, it's more casual, better quality. Um, and that's how it became. So let's see, it's it's going well already at the moment. So I'll, it'd be out there more. Um, it's tough. It's like you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a massive amount in the industry because a lot of people have gone into it, and um, so it's tough competition. But it depends what you deliver. Um, it's not. It's here. It's for all ages. But as you say, it's not for the likes the greyish and all that. I don't think it's too plain. It's too plain for them guys. But um, yeah, that's how I got into it from a good friend here. We had a chat, so we said we give it a shot. Why not?
0: Why not? Exactly. Why not? Link for uh, Stephen's clothing line will be in the description and you can see it on the ticket as well, at the bottom of your screen as well. So make sure you check out that as well. But Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about all things Newcastle United and getting your views on what it was like back in the day and obviously uh, the current day as well. Um, thank you very
2: much for your time. Thank you, lads. Thanks very much. Chief your time.
0: Stephen, uh, I was going to say Stephen there, Sam, sorry. Um, where can everybody listen to this podcast?
1: Every podcast app. I've got my eye on one of Stephen's hoodies as well. Hopefully they do it in fat bastard sizes, so it'll fit fit me as well. But uh, yeah, a new episode every Tuesday and uh, all the links to the previous episodes, including the likes of Nobby Solano and Alan Shearer and all them legends are all in the description as well.
0: Fantastic. So for myself, Jonathan Greenman, Sam Mulner, and the former Newcastle United fullback, Stephen Carr, we'll see you all very, very soon.